Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast listeners out there. We're so thankful that you tuned in again for the continuing team series that Mike and I will be bringing you for the rest of the preseason. Gus Kearns coming at you straight ahead here. We have the very talented Alex Riley who is a host of one of his own podcasts. Please dial up the Beat and the Beard podcast on iTunes or however you consume your podcasts. Uh, you can also find his items online at starnewsonline.com. Alex gave us a little insight to the CAA and the UNC Wilmington Seahawks. UNC Wilmington was one of the darlings of March last year and was a very trendy upset pick against UVA, and they've had a ton of turnover, whether it be on the coaching staff and on the roster. And Alex was nice enough to take us through that turnover and tell us how things are rolling in practice and in the locker room. The insight that you're going to get here from Alex is really valuable and really the only place that you're going to find it unless you go ahead and visit him down down south in North Carolina. So the fact that he brings it to you here on the podcast is unbelievably unique. So please enjoy this chat with Alex Riley, co-host of the Beat and the Beard podcast. And again, from Star News Online, Alex really gave us a hand here and gave you some really unique insight to the reset button or maybe just the reload button that UNC Wilmington is facing in the CAA this year. So please enjoy the conversation. Cheers, Solancho. Gratulatia. Okay, Screen the Screener, college basketball podcast listeners out there, we are continuing our team preview series for the 2017-2018 season. And luckily for you listeners out there, we have another expert, Alex Riley, the host of the Beat and the Beard podcast, which is available on iTunes. And you can also read Alex's work at starnewsonline.com. If you want to give Alex a quick follow on Twitter, he's at Alex Riley, capital S, capital N. Uh, Alex, thank you so much for coming on the Screen the Screener podcast. Uh, how are things going today? Uh, not too bad. I'm actually uh, driving towards Raleigh right now to pick up a uh, set of tickets for a Foo Fighters concert this weekend. So I'm having a pretty good day, to be honest with you. Yeah, that sounds all right. Uh, to be totally honest, Foo Fighters are... Uh, I think one of my favorite bands going right now. So please enjoy the show. We always know Dave Grohl puts on an amazing performance. Yes, they do. It'll be my second time seeing them. So I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> hey, the first time that you saw them, did you, uh, did he have a, a broken foot or a healed foot? This was before the foot. I saw him in, uh, in Denver when I lived out in Cheyenne uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, this was before the foot break. And he put on about, 
a two-and-a-half, three-hour show. It was one of the best live concerts I've ever seen. So I'm looking forward to seeing if he can do it again. Oh, I, I, I'm predicting that he's going to do it again. I think they're going to blow it out. Uh, uh, enjoy the show. Cheers. Salancha. Grazie, grazie. That sounds amazing. <laughs> Listeners, Alex is going to kind of walk us through uh, UNC Wilmington and the CAA and maybe talk about how they're going to kind of rebuild uh, over the success that they've had over previous seasons. Alex, there's been a lot of turnover. Uh, there's turnover in the roster. There's turnover in the coaching staff. Do you, do you want to start with the new coach, C.B. McGrath, and, and, and McGrath and, and maybe what he brings? Uh, you know, he was a UNC assistant on all those championship teams. Uh, he was a KU player with, with Roy uh, at, at, at Kansas. Do you want to just talk about, uh, start, I guess, with the coaching change for UNC Wilmington right off the bat, and then we'll get into some of the players in a bit um, and give us like a vibe and what are some of the coaching characteristics that he's going to bring for the Seahawks? Well, it's, it's a totally different feel uh, right now than it was uh, under Kevin Keats. Uh, you know, Kevin came out of uh, Louisville, which at the time looked pretty good. Hindsight 2020 is a little questionable right now, but, uh, you know, Kevin came sure. with, a, a high, uh, yeah, with, a, with a high-speed mentality. He wanted to, uh, to force tempo, shot a lot of threes, uh, played with four guards in the lineup, pressed all game. You know, he was very, uh, you know, full-court oriented. And uh, that's how they played. You know, they played fast, loose, and aggressive. Uh, they really uh, – they had some good post play inside, but it wasn't what they relied on. They really needed to, to hit jumpers. They needed their guards to be efficient. And uh, that's, that, that was the calling card. Now you've got uh, Coach McGrath, who, like you touched on, um, is a as close to a Roy disciple as you'll ever find if you're looking for the textbook definition of it. Um, I mean, the guy spent four years playing for him at Kansas. You know, as soon as he got done, graduated from Kansas, he immediately became, you know, an assistant coach and has been with Roy ever since. So um, if anybody is a, a Roy Williams disciple, uh, you know, it is C.B. McGrath. So he comes from, from that mentality, that way of doing things. And he talked about that he's been waiting for the right opportunity for a long time. And, and Wilmington is a place he's kept his eye on. I believe his wife played on the tennis team here. He's got some family. That's got the ties down at, uh, at Wilmington. So uh, he actually applied for this job when, when Kevin Keith got it uh, four years ago now and uh, ended up not getting it and then came back, you know, when Keith left and ended up being the guy who got it. So um, he's excited about it, but he brings a different style of things. I think they're still going to be pretty up-tempo, but, you know, he's talking about, you know, playing, you know, three guards and two post players. Um, that's something that we haven't seen here in Wilmington for a while. Uh, he's talking about secondary breaks. Again, that's something we haven't seen in a while. We, he wants uh, guys to attack the post and, and, you know, really bang around inside a little bit more uh, than maybe we've had here in the past. Because um, that's one of the things that um, we'll get to here in a minute with Devontae Kaycock, where he shot so well last year, but so much of what he did was based off of guards throwing him a lob and him being able to put down a dunk. Well, that's not really necessarily attacking the paint and it being aggressive inside. That's a guard making a heads-up play and being able to find a post player if it's open for a moment. So um, I think you're going to see a lot more passes inside, a lot more set stuff, guys taking, you know, you know 10, 15-foot jumpers, um, you know, attacking the rim a little bit more. So it's going to be a little bit different. And, you know, losing four starters, you know, it's going to be a revamped lineup, that's for sure. Um, so things are going to be different this year. And I think the fans have kind of, come to accept that and they're excited about what it's going to look like. I don't know if it's going to be a good thing or a bad thing, but 
it's definitely going to be interesting uh, given what we've seen here the last. Oh, totally agree. I think some of the verbiage that you threw out there, whether it be um, not shooting as many threes, going for that uh, mid-range jump shot, secondary break, like all of those things speak to Coach Williams. So that, that verbiage sounds really familiar. And to be honest, if, if we're going to copy somebody, why not copy the guy that has multiple national championships, right? So Sure, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's the way you should do it. <laughs> it sounds like a good blueprint so far. Uh, and you mentioned Devontae Kaycock, who we need to mention this on the podcast. The dude shot over 80% from the field. And you mentioned that was a lot of like, you know, slip screens and, and great decisions from, you know, guards like and shooters like Ingram and Bryce that, you know, were obviously run off the three-point line and then they would get it into Kaycock. We know that the surrounding shooters aren't necessarily going to be there and be the, the, the caliber that it was uh, last year and years past. But do you think he can replicate like what he did in the tourney game against UVA, who is notoriously, you know, very stout defensively, where he put up a double double in 33 minutes? And like, just how in the world does anybody shoot 80 percent from the field? It's just nuts. So how much of a difference is he going to make in in conference and how good is he going to be this year? Well, it's easy to shoot 80 percent when most of the shots you're taking are from within a foot of the basket. I mean, Devontae really did dunk the ball a lot last year. I he reset the record for dunks at the school by, I don't want to say double, but it was pretty doggone close. Yeah, I mean, he had something like 90 to 100 dunks or something like that. I can't remember what the final number was. So that's how you shoot 80% when a lot of your shots are that close to the rim. And I tell you, he took one jumper that was about 12 feet away last year. It was at Towson on New Year's Eve, and he hit it. Now, it was a, a beeline bullet straight to the basket, but it was a nice shot. But that's, that's the interesting thing for me is they want to see him kind of expand his repertoire this year. And, and the biggest thing for him, you know, coaching changes are always questionable. You wonder uh, if things are going to work out. But I think the biggest thing for Devontae is, you know, they hired Joe Wolf, And a lot of people maybe aren't familiar with Joe Wolf, but he played at Chapel Hill and, and was a part of some pretty good North Carolina teams. He was a first-round draft pick uh, in the NBA, spent a lot of years playing professionally. And, and before he came back to college coaching, that's where he was. He was in uh, the pros coaching at the Nets and the, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and stuff like that. So if anyone knows how to develop post players, it's a guy who has developed post players and been one himself at the highest level of basketball. So I've kind of watched them in practice, and he's kind of helped him develop this shot from about 10, 15 feet out, um, get him more comfortable with that. And you watch him practice. Devontae seems like, you know, he's a little more in sync with that. He's finding his rhythm with it, and it doesn't look kinky, I guess you would say. It looks like something that he's been doing for a while. Now, it's totally different when you're doing it in practice and no one's guarding you as opposed to a couple thousand fans screaming at you and a defender in your face. So we'll see if he can do it in game situation. I don't expect him to shoot 80% this year. I don't think anybody expects him to shoot 80% this year, but a lot of the offense is going to be based around him inside kicking out UNCW creating for him. I think he's going to play a bigger role offensively for UNCW this year. Um, it's just it's going to be how much bigger. Um, and I'm excited to see what it looks like. But, uh, yeah, he's going to definitely be the focal point as the only returning starter for this team. Uh, that's a great insight. And, and it sounds, again, sounds very familiar. You know, the UNC offenses for so many years under Roy, you know, really valued those paint touches. And that was like kind of the Kickstarter of – 
their offense if the secondary break didn't actually take hold. So that makes total sense. And I totally remember Joe Wolf in the NBA. So, that, I mean, that's a wonderful mentor for Kaycock to work with, for sure. Hey, some of this, some of these minutes that are going to be on the perimeter have to be filled by somebody, right? Is Jordan Talley one of those guys? Is uh, the Wichita State transfer Ty Taylor one of those guys? Is, uh, Jacob, is, is Richmond one of those guys from Middle Tennessee State? Where are these shots and uh, the ball handling responsibilities going to be? How are they going to be assigned? Uh, who's going to get the biggest assignment? Who's going to take some of those open threes? And who's going to take care of the ball handling responsibilities for this UNC Wilmington team now that, you know, you mentioned those four starters are now moving on? Fascinating. Uh, and I'm actually, that's what I'm working on right now. Our, our season preview, we generally do kind of a, a big blowout feature on, on a particular player or, or if there's some, you know, big theme going on with the team. And the, the feature this year is actually going to be on Jordan Talley. Uh, you know, he was nice. Kevin Keith's first first recruit, uh, the first actual signee when Kevin got to Wilmington. And uh, it's just fascinating, his story. If you go back and look at it, Kevin's first year here, uh, you know, he was the point guard. Jordan Talley was. He was the guy kind of running the system because, you know, guys like Ingram and Chris Fleming, uh, yeah, Chris Fleming and those guys were sitting out. Uh, Ambrose Mosley wasn't here. Uh, C.J. Bryce was just a uh, – a, uh, hadn't even signed yet. Jordan Talley, you know, he, he's a guy that can be whatever you need him to be. You know, he was, he was a starter his first year, kind of ran the point. Uh, his second year, uh, when some of those other guys were now eligible that had transferred in, Denzel Ingram, Chris Fleming. Uh, and then, of course, uh, C.J. Bryce showed up. Uh, he played uh, a little bit different role. He started some, came off the bench some. And then last year, he was totally off the bench. Uh, he was your kind of second point guard, I guess you would say. He took some big shots. He uh, was a guy who attacked the rim, kind of kick-started defense uh, when the reserves started coming in. And, and this year, he's going to have to be the point guard again. So Jordan's kind of been whatever you need him to be, and, and that's not going to change this year. And the good news is, is from everybody I've talked to, he's a veteran leader, and he's a guy who, when this new staff came in, he was the, kind of the first guy there that said, hey, we need to embrace this. You know, Kevin's gone, that staff's gone. We need to move on and focus on continuing things with this new staff. Because, you know, he kind of slyly put a picture on Twitter in the offseason. His last year of high school, he won his high school's first state championship. Then he got to Wilmington, and they won a CAA title his first year. And then the next year they won a CAA title. And then the next year they won a CAA title. So aside from a year at a prep school in between uh, high school and college, He's won a championship every year that he's been on the court uh, in the last couple of years. So he's not ready to leave Wilmington by not winning another ring, basically. And, and that's what he wants. So all he knows is winning. And if anybody's going to be the catalyst that makes sure this team stays pretty close to where it's been the last couple of years, it's going to be Jordan Talley. And a lot of that pressure is going to fall on his shoulders this year. But then guys like uh, Jaquel Richmond, he didn't play a lot last year because of uh, injury. Uh, he had a, a strain in his lower body that really limited him last year. I think he's going to be a bigger contributor. Um, you know, Ty Taylor, obviously, sitting out a year of Wichita State transfer, I think he's going to be a big uh, threat for the offense, just watching his shot. Uh, I think he's, he could be a streaky shooter. I'm not sure. If he gets in a rhythm, I think they'll be fine. Uh, but then the guy I'm most interested in is uh, Jalen Forns. He played uh, a lot of minutes last year off the bench as a freshman really kind of got a feel for things at the college level. I'm interested to see how much he's grown and matured uh, under this new coaching staff and what his role is going to be, because I think he can be a really good basketball player. Um, I think he's got it in him to take some really good clutch shots. 
maybe even be a distributor at some point, kind of a, a secondary point guard, if you will. So I'm interested to see how far he comes along. And then the, the freshman that intrigues me the most is a guy named Jay Espy, uh, who came in from Georgia. Um, he's the most ready, I think, of the, the freshmen, the two freshmen that they got uh, to, to be able to play. So we'll see if he's ready to go. He kind of reminds me of C.J. Bryce, kind of built the same way. He's actually going to wear C.J. Bryce's old number 12. So we'll see what he can do if he's ready to play at this level. Um, but, yeah, it, there's going to be some new faces filling some big roles, that's for sure. It's going to be interesting to see how it all kind of balances out and who takes what spot. Yeah, I, re- I just remember Jordan Talley did get a ton of minutes as freshman and, and a bunch of minutes his sophomore year, you know, well over 20 minutes a game. And then those minutes got curtailed, obviously, by the talent that was there. So I, I, I love the backstory on the, the, the number of championships that he's brought bringing to the table. That's exactly what we're looking for. Holy smokes. Thank you so much, Alex. And we're talking to Alex Riley. Uh, he's, he's one of the hosts of uh, – the, the Beat and the Beard podcast, dial it up on iTunes. You can read Alex at thestarnewsonline.com. Alex, a couple more questions for you, then we'll get you out of here. You know, we we kind of spoke to this already a tiny bit. Give us a feel of what the team identity and vibe is with all of these new faces and all of these new voices in practice leading up to this particular season coming off multiple championships. Like, What is the vibe and what's the identity going to be uh, moving forward for this particular group of Seahawks led by Coach McGrath? Well, it's, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, obviously so much attention is on the, the coaching staff, on the, the guys that got hired, um, and, and rightfully so, because things are going to be different. And, you know, we, we've talked about that and whatnot. But the, the big hire for me in the offseason that I'm very excited to see how it works out is actually a guy that Coach McGrath didn't hire, uh, uh, the strength and conditioning coach that had been at UNCW for forever, a guy named Pat Murphy, he actually left uh, to go with Kevin Keith uh, to North Carolina State. So um, they had to hire a new strength and conditioning coordinator, and he brought in a whole new staff. His name is Ben Fleming. He comes from Old Miss. He was the strength and conditioning guy for the baseball program down at Old Miss, now kind of taking over the whole department at UNCW. And uh, he is an intense dude. Let me tell you that right now. And I, I don't use that lightly. It sounds kind of funny. But this dude is intense. He, uh, he is working these guys harder than I think they've ever been worked. And that's not just uh, the basketball program. That's the baseball program, softball, all these programs in general. Uh, he's got a different way of doing things. He's, he's very uh, competition-oriented. Um, every day they're always posting videos on the strength Twitter handle of guys competing and, and conditioning workouts. He's sort of taking guys to the beach and doing stuff in the sand there, which, I mean, you would think living at the beach, that's something that, they would do anyway. Well, they haven't. This is the first time it's been done in a while. So I think that's going to be huge uh, for UNCW because they've always been a really well-conditioned team. But if you're kicking it up another notch, I can't imagine what it's going to do as the season grinds on. And that seems like what they've done. So I think his hire is huge, not only for the basketball program, but for the athletic department in general. And I'm interested to see how that works out. But as far as just basketball-specific stuff goes, um, it's been kind of cool. Uh, this staff, uh, and as all athletic departments around the country are doing, they're, they're trying to become more digital-oriented, more social media-oriented. So they've started doing a lot of uh, Snapchat stuff. They started uh, shooting little videos from practice and posting them on Snapchat every day. And, you know, the players are talking and the managers are talking and different stuff like that. So it's been kind of interesting to get an inside look and kind of see how things are going. Um, I think this group has gelled together really well from what I've seen, um, you know, with so many new faces, 
uh, so much turnover and change. It doesn't seem like they've let that slow them down, um, which is nice. Uh, and, you know, we'll see what it pans out. We'll see if it translates to success on the court. You know, the CAA is, is pretty well stacked this year uh, with some teams returning a lot of talent. So um, it, it won't surprise me where UNCW finishes. They could finish in first place. They could finish in seventh place. Um, it just depends on how the rest of the league does and, and what they're able to do, how they're able to, to you know, understand this new system, understand this new staff, and execute it on the court. You know, so far so good from what I've seen and what little bit of practice I've seen. They seem to be executing. Uh, you know, they're, they're soaking in what is being taught pretty well. Um, they're being attentive, and uh, that's a good thing. We'll see if it translates into success. Though. Yeah, it sounds like that. It sounds like this crew is very coachable, and the fact that you bring up the the the, the difference in in the change in culture on the strength and conditioning side with uh, Coach Fleming that's that that's insight that that is unbelievably valuable. And I hope that the whole Seahawk uh, student athlete population benefits from that. That sounds like something that could really be culture changing for all the sports and every student athlete that's going to be involved in, in Coach Fleming's program. And you're right, like College of Charleston, we got Towson, Elon, Hofstra is going to be okay. So, I mean, the CAA does have a, a little bit of a variable of where everybody could finish. And I think your your prediction of like anywhere from first to seventh sounds kind of accurate just because of the volatility and the, uh, you know, the uncertainty with certain rosters. But how about you take us, uh, t- take us into Trask Coliseum, Alex. It holds like uh, just over 5,000 fans. It got really rocking last year. We know that NC loves its hoops, uh, similar to like Texas and, and South Carolina loving its football. Like give uh, the listeners a, a little highlight of what a Seahawk home game is like and what impact like the student section has and, and the layout of Trask Coliseum. Well, it's, you know, it's just a, a nice barn, I guess you would say. That, I guess that's what we call these places now. But, you know, it, it can get loud and rowdy. Um, you know, I was here uh, during the last year of the Buzz Peterson era, and, you know, things were kind of dead there. You know, basketball had kind of fallen off the pace uh, since Brad Brownell left uh, in the late 2000s. And uh, it's changed a lot. Um, I mean, they've had a, they had a couple sellouts last year, which hadn't happened in a while. Um, student section has really started to pack out. Uh, they started a, uh, a student section Seahawk club, um, which guarantees a ticket, you know, and that, that's kind of helped uh, ensure fan attendance. Uh, and the students are really knowledgeable. They're loud. They're rowdy. Um, it, it, it's a crazy environment. It, it, it's what you would want in mid-major college basketball, if, if that's the kind of the best way to put it. it. It's a great place to watch a college basketball game. There's not a bad seat in the house. Um, you know, they've, they've made some nice upgrades to it. Um, uh, they, they've really pushed fan involvement, fan activity, and stuff like that. So um, they just did a reseeding process. Every uh, three years, I believe, they, they reseed based on uh, how you donated to the Seahawks club. So they just got that done. And, they sold a ton of tickets. Uh, I, I walked in there on the last day, and what they do is they, they actually take uh, – when, when you pick your, uh, pick your seat, um, you actually put a piece of paper with tape on it that says reserve. And I'd say right. the vast majority of the seats were taken. So that's a good wow. sign. Um, you know, it's it's going to be a packed house. It's going to be loud and rowdy. Um, you know, there's only four non-conference games uh, that are at home before they jump into conference play. So I'm interested to see how fans turn out for this new era of basketball, I guess you would say. But I expect nothing less than uh, than another loud and rowdy crew, uh, same as the last couple of years. And uh, we'll see if, if the wins come, the fans keep coming, and, 
and that's all that matters uh, to Seahawk Nation. That's usually how it works. You keep winning, people start showing up and being part of that crew. That sounds about right. And uh, we'll get you out of here on this, Alex. You know, the non-conference schedule often defines you know, how a mid-major is going to perform and maybe how they're going to do down the road. And UNC Wilmington has some opportunities. They have Valpo coming in. They're going to visit uh, LSU. They're going to visit Davidson. And then, uh, you know, Chris Clemens, Campbell, his like, you know, 25 points per game come and visit as well. So do you feel like some of these opportunities are winnable opportunities or are these just games that UNC Wilmington are going to cross their fingers on? How winnable are some of these non-conference games? for the Seahawks uh, in this particular pre-conference season? Uh, they're winnable. Um, there's no doubt about that. I, I think there's a good chance they'll come out of some of these with a win. Like you said, the, I think the Valpo game is a big test. The LSU one uh, is the other big one, and not because LSU is necessarily all that great right now, although I think uh, Will Wade is going to turn that program around pretty quickly. Um, but, you know, it's not a great schedule in terms of name recognition, I guess you would say. It's you know, a lot of people in North Carolina are going, oh, you're playing Greensboro. Oh, you're playing, um, you know, UNCG. Oh, you're, you're playing schools that are in right. the backyard. A lot, of, a lot of fans want to step outside the state and see some bigger and better competition. But when you look at it, UNC Greensboro was a really good team last year, made a deep run, and I believe the CIT. Um, and then, yeah, yes, uh, they did. Know, LSU's a, yeah, LSU's a Power 5 school. Davidson's obviously, uh, you know, well-branded basketball. You know, everybody knows them. Uh, East Carolina's a rival, so that one will always be intense. So there's some good games on this that they could kind of set the tone, I guess you would say. Um, and we'll see if they can do it. Um, the fact that they've only got uh, four at home really, you know, kind of limits what you see early on because, you know, there'll be sure. four games in, in neutral sites and uh, four games uh, on the road and then four at home and two of them at home are against uh, Division two and Division three opponents. So, you know, what do you get out of those games? Well, you get to see them play. That's about it. <laughs> but, right. Hopefully hopefully you get a win and, yeah, and a, and a good view right. for the audience. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Right. It, it, exactly. But, but – you know, we'll know how good they are by the time conference play shows up. There's some good litmus test games in that group. Um, it's just, you know, maybe the fans in Trask Coliseum won't get to see all of them because they'll be away. But, you know, we'll have a good idea of how good they are pretty early on. And, uh, you know, you win some of those non-conference games and you do pretty well in the, uh, in the conference schedule. Um, you know, I, I feel like they're a team that can make a postseason tournament. Now, does that mean the NCAA tournament? Maybe not necessarily, but, uh, you know, this would be their fourth straight year in the postseason if they were to make it, which I believe would, would tie the longest streak for them. So um, if they can do well enough to, you know, get 18, 19 wins in the regular season and then maybe win a game or two at the conference tournament, I think they're postseason bound again, and, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, maybe maybe Jordan Talley will get that championship, but maybe it'll be an NIT championship. Maybe it'll be a CBI championship. Who knows what that champion, what form that might take? Alex, we just want to say a, a gigantic thank you for giving us an unbelievable scouting report of UNC Wilmington and the CAA. Um, again, you can find Alex at StarNewsOnline.com and please dial up his podcast. He is one of the hosts of the Beat and the Beard podcast. And you can, of course, find that on iTunes or wherever you find podcasts and consume them. Uh, Alex, we just want to say a a huge thank you and uh, please enjoy the season and definitely enjoy Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters. (laughs) Thanks so much. I appreciate it. All right. Cheers, Alex. Thank you.
is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.